0: It's a deep! Let's wrap up the week on Friday, February 3rd. Just Baseball Show. The three of us, Jack, Peter, Aram, we finally did a mailbag again. It's been a couple of months since we did a mailbag, no?
1: Yeah, it's been. I think it's the. The last mailbag was during the postseason in October. We haven't done one in the entire off season yet. Okay, this is our off season mailbag.
0: Hopefully, we'll do another one during spring training or something. I'm sure we'll do a bunch during the regular season, but uh, this is nice. And, and you guys showed out on Twitter and Instagram asking questions. So we've got 11 that we're gonna run through. And um, you're going to get our thoughts on all of it when it comes to prospects. Which Brewers prospect is going to come up and make the biggest impact? I saw Jackson Chorio was mentioned in that. Aram, is Jackson Chorio going to come up and make an impact this year? No. Okay, so we can talk about all the other ones. Uh, Yeah, from that to an all-star team of all the crappiest teams, can they beat the Houston Astros? We have no idea. But uh, first and foremost, we're getting closer to World Baseball Classic season. And I was just messing around on Baseball Reference and I saw that it was this Japanese sensation's 23rd birthday, right? Murakami. Um this kid Manetaka Murakami. This kid if you haven't seen his Baseball Reference page, if you haven't seen what he has done in Nippon Professional Baseball at age 19, 20, 21, 22, again he just turned 23. This guy hit fifty six nukes as a twenty two year old in the second best, highest level league
1: in the world. He might be craziness for Team Japan. No, I'm so glad you mentioned him because he. I am the most excited to watch him out of any player in and the world Sasaki. baseball classic. I'm excited for Sasaki. I'm excited for Sasaki too, and I assume that Sasaki is a better prospect just because he's been a phenom and he's even younger than Murakami is. But the reason I'm so excited is because I feel like he's going under the radar here. He beat Sadaharu O's record for home runs in a single season as a 22-year-old, and he plays a good third base. I just feel like nobody knows about him, and they will in the World Baseball Classic. Well, I feel like the Greater baseball community has heard of Roki Sasaki right arm.
2: Yeah, I think he gets a little bit more. Uh, I think Sasaki like kind of broken. I know we've mentioned him last couple episodes. That so perfect pitching ninja, game. Yeah. It, it, yeah, perfect, perfect game. With the twenty yeah, strikeout game really game. like yeah. And then and then pitching ninja grabbed on and and when you have like you know just just the idea of one hundred mile an hour fastballs, it just seems to kind of get a little bit more fanfare. But but I think Murakami is going to have one of those. Uh, one of those majestic home runs that goes viral. That's gonna kind of get on everybody's radar because now they're playing in stadiums that we've seen, you know, MLB players play in. So you'll be able to see like, wait, guys don't hit it up there very often. I'm thinking about Marlins Park in the semifinal, quarterfinal when Murakami puts yeah. it halfway up the the, the upper deck yeah. in right field. Like people are gonna be like, whoa, I haven't really seen anybody do that. And looking at Murakami's data. 117 mile per hour home run he hit this past year in twenty two So if he gets us one of those in the world baseball classic, I can promise everybody's gonna know who this guy is. So I'm excited about that. And that, just to that,
1: quickly put 117 in perspective, I would say twelve big leaguers can do that. Is that fair? The only guys that
0: hit like 117 mile an hour home runs this year were Judge, Stanton, Alonzo, and Jordan Alvarez. And I think and that's Schwarber.
2: I think Schwarber got one. In the postseason
0: it yes. was it was 117 that yeah. that home run that had Bryce Harper's jaw on the floor that was a 117 home run and that's what Morakami can do so i even over exaggerated using 12 Yeah, like that's, say, that's, that's how less. fast it is like yeah. that's how good he could be yes correct yeah. um now i i was looking at the odds for the world baseball classic in a lot of sports books today and i think i saw the dr is plus 200 the us is plus 250 and then japan is plus 350 and then it's everybody else it feels like it's the DRs to lose, even though Luis Castillo and Jerry DePoto both said that uh, Luis Castillo will be in spring training. He is not throwing for the Dominican Republic. So, as of right now, that rotation looks like Sandy, Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, and either Freddie Peralta or a Johnny Cueto if you want a
1: Wiley vet. Not too bad we're going to have so many episodes just based on the world baseball classic. That's why we're still waiting for the entire rosters to be announced. We can't give all the gold away so quickly. Jack. Sorry. Sorry. All right. Also
2: Maybe. speaking of, of giving away a little bit of gold here, we missed one more, uh, 117, 118 mile an hour home run. O'Neal Cruz. Yeah. J- Corbin mm-hmm. burns 118 437 feet, uh, back, back in, uh, I believe it was August. So, that's that's a freaking tank, too, off of one of the best in the game. We were just talking about this an episode ago, most valuable pitches in baseball. Well, O'Neill Cruz took one of the most valuable pitches in baseball, 118 miles an hour to right field. So uh, that shows you what, what he's capable of.
0: And he's not going to crack the lineup for the DR, folks. <laughs> we shall see. <laughs> yeah. I mean, wild. All right, let's jump into the mailbag here. Number one comes from Instagram from Xander Tralins. Um, He said, if there was a most improved player award for major league baseball, who would be your way too early picks?
1: Peter, you first. So I picked one in the American league and one in the national league. My first one in the American league, I think I'm going with Spencer Torkelson. I just believe in the bat. Like if you believe in the bat, is he a 600 OPS guy? Could he be an 800 OPS guy? Like in terms of the biggest jumps in OPS, He's got it in the tank. It was that horrible year where the Tigers just weren't competitive. Arm um, Jack, you guys have spoken about this on the call-up and on the Just Baseball show. The development with the Tigers, I feel like with a full offseason and kind of work back into it, that he's going to be much better. Remember, he was one of the top overall picks in the draft, one of the top prospect. He was my rookie of the year favorite last year. Just a really bad season. I was trying to decide between him and Riley Green and – I went with the guy who was way worse because Riley Greed's at 683 OPS. We expect him to be much better. But Spencer Torkelson had a 604 OPS with like a 319 slugging percentage. I just don't see that happening. So I'm going to go with him in the American League. In the National League, talk about buying stock when it's at its lowest. I think Jesse Winker is going to be decent for the Brewers. I really do because he couldn't have been worse last year. So he's either going to be out of the league or he's going to improve. And I think we forget that with the Reds, this guy was an all-star level hitter. And I think the Brewers are going to platoon him enough. You know, we're going to talk about the Brewers prospects that are coming up. Like, if you just get Jesse Winker against righties in a tiny stadium, I still think he's going to be able to hit. He crushed fastballs in 2021, didn't hit him at all in 2022. That's got to revert back. So I'm going Torkelson in the AL and Jesse Winker in the National League. Good picks. Aram?
2: Yeah, so I, I'm afraid I might be taking yours here, Jack. But I'm gonna go in the American League. Also, Riley Green was one that I was down to the wire with. But again, I like kind of what Peter said. He wasn't that bad. It was it wasn't great. We expected more, but he was a rookie playing the outfield, playing some center, and had a six eighty OPS. It could have been worse. I'm gonna go with Andrew Vaughn, who wasn't bad at all last year, who's actually slightly above average by WRC plus, but His F war was negative because he was playing the outfield. Now he's going to go to first. And I think Vaughn, with this White Sox team, there's going to be a little bit more, I think, expected of him. And I think he's going to rise to that occasion. And I'm going to say most improved because I think he's going to go from a negative war guy to somebody that's going to play good defense at first, someone that's going to hit close to 30 home runs this year. I really think he can. I think he's going to hit for average. I think this guy could end up being an all-star caliber bat and finally you know with a little bit of consistency he was banged up he was asked to do things that he's never really done that wears down your body and I think he's going to really thrive in a much more limited physically demanding role at first base versus the outfield and he can focus more on just raking which is what he was drafted to do he wasn't drafted to play the outfield he was drafted to rake that's what that's what it's all about with Andrew Vaughn so I think he's gonna have a really nice year this year and I'm expecting him to break out in, in a big way How about National League? You got a guy? I came with one guy. So I'm off of the top of my head in the National League. I really like the Winker pick because I, for all the reasons that that Peter said, there another really hitter friendly park that I think is going to treat him well. Um, You know, go come back to me. Say yours, and I'll have a National League guy ready to go.
0: That's fine. I I had an American League guy that was not Andrew Vaughn. Like Vaughn was obviously the first name that jumped to my mind, but if I did have to go with somebody else in the American league. I think it's Ryan Mountcastle because we were expecting a lot more power than what we actually saw. Um, and I can't place all of that on the wall being extended at Camden Yards. Like the guy's got to figure it out, right? If if you play for the Detroit Tigers, you have to figure out how to hit at Comerica. Miguel Cabrera won a triple crown there. <laughs> if you're good, you're good. You can be good anywhere. I think Ryan Mountcastle's really good at hitting the ball really hard. And I think that he will figure out his home ballpark and have a really solid year. National League, I've got two guys. If Ian Anderson gets a shot in the starting rotation, he can't be worse than what he was. So I think that, you know, you could look at a guy that has a three and a half ERA in 140 innings and say, well, that's not most improved. It is from a five when he was optioned after several years of postseason success. Um, and the other one is Alec Bohm. And, and we saw tastes of it mm. this past year. I think Boehm can have a massive, massive breakout season because he's so well protected in that
1: lineup, especially when you add Trey Turner to the fold as well. I really like that Mountcastle pick. Uh, Kind of a cool way to see batted ball data, like the luck factor of it, is to compare your Woba to your ex-Woba. And Ryan Mountcastle was number one in that difference of by those couple of stats, which of course isn't everything, but it's a cool thing that you can look at on baseball savant to see he was lucky or unlucky based on how hard they hit the ball. Ryan Mountcastle was number one and Javon was up there too. Torkelson was up there. Winker was up there. A lot of good picks and I love the Ian Anderson play.
0: All right, Aram, you got a uh, you got a nationally guy or no?
2: Yeah, I it's guess okay, most I improved seems, in this case would be regaining the form, kind of like Peter said with Wanker. I think Cattell Marte is going to do it this year. I think he's going to have some life kind of injected back into him. This is a team that I know they're not expected to compete, but I think they're going to be just much more fun and have life and, and you know, have some outside shot at a wild card, which I think is going to be refreshing for Cattell Marte, who has played on a team that has been just perpetually bad and uh, has not played for much and has been banged up. He didn't have the best year last year, but at the end of the day, he was still all right. And and I think now not being asked to play center field as much, getting more acclimated to other areas, not having to play the outfield much at all. And uh, I think having opportunities to drive in more runs, right? he There was points in time where he was like really the only guy you were worried about in that lineup. Now there's a lot of dudes that you have to worry about in that lineup. And there's going to be guys on base a lot more. I think Marte is going to bounce back to form because he's he's not old. Like he's still relatively young. He should be able to, his body shouldn't be breaking down on him. If he can stay healthy, I think he could have a really big year. And, and
0: he's, he's the forgotten man going into this yeah. year, right? We have this wild. All these, yeah. We have all these conversations about Corbin Carroll and then it's like, Oh, well, Carroll and Alec Thomas, who's primed for a bounce back. And you know, all these young arms are are joining a team with gallon and Merrill Kelly. And how about Christian Walker and like Gabby Moreno? Oh my God. Catel Marte might be the seventh name that you pluck for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And he may be the best, like he may be one or two in terms of F war this year. So We'll see. All right. Next one. Which team has the most amount of MLB ready prospects that will be called up by October? This is from Big Nate 2144 on Instagram. I don't want to see what he did to Little Nate 2043, um, (laughs) but we shall see. Right. I think Baltimore is the clear answer here because you've got all these guys. Grayson Rodriguez is probably going to be in the opening day rotation. Gunnar Henderson, the number one prospect or number two prospect of the game with, in whatever publication you look at is going to be on the opening day roster. Then you got guys ready like Westberg and Norby and Couser and D.L. Hall. Like there are so many. So Baltimore is the clear answer. I will say the Dodgers as well because a lot of their top 10 guys, top 15 guys are knocking on the door, whether they're AAA bats like a Michael Bush or a Miguel Vargas who's going to be on the opening day roster or an Andy Pahes or a James Outman. You also have the double-A guys like a Landon Knack and a Nick Nestrini joining Bobby Miller and Gavin Stone. I think that, and Ryan Pepio, think about Pepio. I think that they're going to get a lot of production from younger guys.
2: Another one that I wouldn't sleep on uh, that is also kind of one of the questions we're going to get to in a minute with, with the specific brewer prospect question. But there's a lot of guys that are ready for the Brewers. And, you know, Turang's probably going to start Bryce Turang at second base. Sal Freelix knocking on the door he raked in A. Joey Weimer's knocking on the door he raked in AAA. Robert Gasser, who they acquired in that Josh Hader deal, is a lefty that I think is pretty close to big league ready and could be in the bullpen or in a starting role if they need him there. Uh, yeah. And then they've got other guys that can plug into the to the bullpen, other prospects that I like there. So this is another team that could mix and match in a lot of ways. And uh, even Garrett Mitchell's technically still a prospect. I believe he didn't lose his, his rookie eligibility. So that's another guy that technically counts towards this. The Brewers have a lot of close to big league or big league ready prospects that I think are going to play a big part in what they're doing this year, especially if some guys get hurt, especially if some guys struggle. Uh, and A lot of these guys I'm really excited about in our top 100 caliber dudes.
1: So I power rank myself uh, number three by a long shot in terms of talking about prospects on this podcast. Um, But what I will say is the only team that I could bring in also is the Guardians, um, obviously, Spino coming off that injury, George Valera, possibly Gavin Williams, Brian Rocchio, Bo Naylor, guys like that, I feel like can make an impact for the Guardians too. They're just a young team who, you know, Will Brennan, even we saw him have a little cameo last year. A lot of really good dudes in that farm.
0: Yeah. It, well, and they've also showed us that they're not scared to bring anybody up, right? Like Gabriel yeah. Arias, they gave him a shot for a couple days and he stunk. So they sent him right back down. And like we saw Hunter Gaddis come up and then Xavier Curry come up and then a Pilkington come up and did Battenfield come up at the end of the year? I have no idea. But like,
2: yeah, you had a bow nailer for a brief, yeah, a brief Dude, Arias, Arias started playoff games alongside will brennan i mean and like those guys base. were both in the lineup against facing garrett cole like that right. yeah, they're fearless with it i think that's a great point yeah
0: they're not scared at all all right number three if any player could redo their major league career who would you want to see logan smith 10 on instagram i've got a very clear answer i can save it for
1: last or i can go first I got two New York guys. Um, I can already guess which one Aram will have. Um, Whatever. You're the host, Jack. Point guard us. Peter. Perfect. Um, My first one, both are New York based because I'm a New York Yankees fan and we go to City Field all the time. So I centered mine around New York because I assumed these two would go a different direction. Uh, My first one is Thurman Munson uh, with the Yankees. Uh, died in a plane crash tragically. He was the Yankee captain before Derek Jeter, and he kind of goes underrated among catchers in MLB history. Um, he only really played for about ten seasons, but compiled forty six WAR, well above average hitting catcher. Really, really good defender. Of course, I never got to see him in person because he was huge for the Yankees in those nineteen seventies years. Uh, but when I was working at the Yankees uh, for two seasons, that name was one of the names that you know you don't think about when you think about Yankee lore, when you think about Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio and Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and all these different guys, but the way the Yankees treat Thurman Munson and the attention to detail they have about him throughout his career, one of the greatest catchers of all time and just tragically passed away at the age of 32. So here's what I'll tell you. Out on the Cape, in the Cape Cod Baseball League, nobody's talked about more than Thurman Munson good. Not even close. Yeah. So he's one of them. Another one on the Mets side. David Wright is a player that I was doing some deep dives into. Um, And he, you know, he had a career, right? He played 14 seasons, but the only issue that the last four really were just, he was damaged. Like he was just injured the entire time. But, you know, I queued up his stats from between like 2005 to around 2012, like that peak of his he was at like basically a 300, 505 slash line guy with great defense. Like I was looking through, he had eight war seasons, seven war seasons, six war, five war. It's just a guy who combined defense with elite offensive production. I think if he stayed healthy throughout his career, he would have been this these first ballot third baseman Hall of Fame guys. Like I thought he was that good at his peak, but injuries just killed him at the end like he never put together anything and then he was out of the league and we had this amazing peak and that was kind of it for him so new york-based
2: thurman munson and david Wright for me okay arm you got one there's like so many that come to my mind obviously like uh, like a jose fernandez is is obvious right i mean but that's that's something that i like it that's almost do life over in a way like that's that's kind of beyond the baseball field but the Albert Bell is somebody that I really feel like doesn't get enough appreciation in terms of what his peak was like. And Jeff Conine on Outside the Box has brought up Albert Bell a lot, and he always tells me about how the Albert Bell is one of the most talented players he has ever played with. Bell dealt with with some yeah with some issues in terms of just being able to like stay mentally there uh, when it came to playing baseball struggled with like anger issues and 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 had issues with his teammates at times and, and he was just out of the league by 33 like there was a lot of challenges for him but at this guy's peak he, let me read you his home run totals year after year after year so 1991 first full season he hits 28 home runs then he hits 34 then he hits 38 then he hits 36 then he hits 50 then he hits 48, 30, 49, 37. All of these seasons, he's playing pretty good defense. He's stealing bases. He's hitting for average. The one year he hit 357 with 36 pumps back in Jeez. 94. So, wow. I mean, this guy was nuts. 50 homers, 317. Uh, Niner, Niner always tells me that this is one of the most insane players that he's ever played with in terms of talent. He also walked more than he struck out in a lot of these seasons. Uh, Albert Bell is a guy that, if we saw him play his whole career, Jeff said, without a doubt, Hall of Famer. So for me, I'll, I'll I'll back that up. I totally agree. I think without a doubt would have been a Hall of Famer. Another one is Mark Pryor, because Mark yeah. Pryor is a name that Great everyone one. knows, right? He was so good. But like, it, I don't know if how, many, how many people realize that Mark Pryor barely played. Like Mark Pryor barely played. It was like five really years. I thought it was like
1: three seasons.
2: Legitimately played two full seasons, parts of four, and it would average out to about three. And he was out. By the time he was 25. What's crazy is if you look at Mark Pryor's best season in 2003, 7.8 F4, he had a two, four, three ERA in a 211 innings. This guy would have been perpetually one of the best pitchers in baseball would have been a Cy Young candidate every single year. And instead the last season we really saw of him was at age 24. I, that That's one that I do think about a lot. When I hear Mark Pryor, I'm like, man, what what could he have been?
0: So, Those Cubs years were like what my initial introduction to baseball was. I was born, you know, in Chicago, grew up in Lincoln Park. I was a 10 minute walk from Wrigley at an apartment that I was at age zero through five. Like I've got a photo hanging in my childhood bedroom of my first Cubs game in a Sammy Sosa onesie in 1999. And I guarantee you, my parents would not have introduced me to baseball at the level of vigor that they did had it not been for the tandem of Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor. Because that's what made them good. Like, obviously, they had Sosa and Aramis Ramirez and Moises Alou and Derek Lee at the time. But that offense is just an offense if you don't have Kerry freaking Wood and Mark freaking Pryor guiding them there. And 2003 was the Bartman year, right? Mark Pryor and Kerry Wood carried the Cubs to a possible Avengement of the curse of the billy goat, and here we are with fucking Bartman getting in the way. So, yeah, man, I like that pick of Mark Pryor.
1: Um, Eric Lee, my... Marlins legend, right arm,
2: yeah, Derek Lee, <laughs> Derek Lee, the Baltimore
0: Orioles legend. I think mine is clear as day. It's Bonds, 15 years in Major League Baseball before using PEDs, mm. he had 2,100 hits. He had 494 home runs. He had 1,400 RBIs. He had 470 stolen bases. He was a career 290 hitter with a 412 OBP and a 979 career OPS, which put him right under McGuire, who we knew was cheating, and right above Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio. He had three MVPs, eight silver sluggers, eight gold gloves, nine all-star appearances. If Bonds didn't touch the shit, He's a top 10 player of all time. Now he's probably number one, but he's got a fat ass asterisk right next to it. So I wish he didn't touch it.
1: Love that pick. I would have gone the same route, you know, watch, want to see a rod like Roger Clemens. A lot of these guys who were Dude, phenomenal top 50 all time players, but then took steroids in order to be top 10 overall players. Yeah. And like what would they have been if they didn't touch the juice? So that's my thing. Like Clemens is probably top 50,
0: but I think Bonds was like top 10 and he turned himself from eight to one. I'm okay with eight. If you do it cleanly, I think he almost had
1: a hundred war before he allegedly took steroids. Correct.
0: Balco dinged him for 2001 through 2006.
1: So, and he um, had like 99 war by then, which is like first ballot hall of favor. Easy.
2: 110.1 by By then,
1: by the end of the 2000s, that's insane.
0: Um, By the way, I was looking at all time OPS leaders here to see where bonds would stack up. Aaron Judge has a nine seventy seven career OPS. That's the same as Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio. That's one point better than Stan Musial. We're watching an all time great right now.
2: A yeah, arm, you got to survive the back half of the mm-hmm. career. Imagine what if you cut Pujols off right around this time, what, what would that OPS look like? It Probably would... number
1: one, right? Number also, one, or number two. Arm, settle an argument between Jack and I because we had this where we were going over um, projections by fangraphs and they had Aaron Judge around 44. We don't have to go into it because we're going to do so much AL East previews. We're going to talk about each player, but just settle an argument for us. Aaron Judge projected 43 home runs, correct, Jack? 44, I maybe. thought it was more than that. I thought it was like 46, 47. No, I 44. think it was 44. Okay, was 44. over or under? Next year. Man,
2: that's tough. Um, Tough. tough. No, it's not tough. I, it's... I'll take the over, but it, it it's tough. 44 is a lot. <laughs> um, not, I'll, not, I'll take not for the over. judge. I don't think he's just going to walk a ton. Like, I, I'll take the over, but I don't think he's breaking 50 this year.
1: I think he's breaking 60 again.
2: Oh, okay, wrong. no, that's a good
1: bet. You should you should, you should place, place that. that. Yeah, you could punch me in the face if he does it at 60 home runs. That's like, <laughs> that's no,
0: like hold on. That that's more masochist than what I do. Yeah. <laughs> I i say crazy things that won't happen. And I'm like, if they do, you can punch me in the face. I I present that option a lot, um, which tells you that I'm not totally opposed to being punched in the face. But if you bet, like, hey, if Judge hits less than 60, you get to deck my ass. I'm I'm in. <laughs> I'm cool
1: with that. <laughs> next question please
0: next question this comes from twitter aj underscore fama fama who will be the biggest risers and fallers in the standings from last year to this year um american league i've got a a riser and a faller i think the faller is minnesota i don't feel confident about it 78 wins like i just think they're running out a bunch of threes um, and I'm done getting snake-bitten by Minnesota. When yeah, I think that they're going to be good, yeah. I'm like, fuck.
2: Now they're um, good. They're a lock-winning 85 games this year. I think more. No, no. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, and then Texas <laughs> is obviously
0: the team that's going to make a big, uh, big jump, in my opinion, because they put their money where their mouth is there, and they want to win games. Uh, biggest faller in the National League— I said I don't think the Dodgers are going to be winning 100 games this year. They won 111 last year, so at least a 12 game, you know, drop in win total, I'll take the Dodgers as as the biggest faller. Um and then Aram my heavy Marlins. I think they're going to win a lot more than 69 games. I think they I thought be you were going to say they were going to fall.
2: I was like, ah, I get it."
0: No, I I think Miami might be with with a healthy Edward Cabrera to start the year with a healthy mm-hmm. Lazardo to start the year with trevor rogers looking for a bounce back to start the year it's hard to find a front four that's better than that
2: yeah i mean with with sandy really setting the pace there it, it, it's going to be a good team i'm I'm interested to see in terms of like rotation wise it's gonna be a pretty pretty good rotation so i i, I just the problem is they drop like fly so quickly right then Lazardo goes down then edward goes down and then all of a sudden you've got braxton garrett as like you're number three and that's usually how it goes. But no, I I do think they're going to gain from 69. That was going to be one of my choices, especially with less division divisional games. Yeah, I I do. I do believe that. I think someone put a whole thread out on that. Like, I don't think they're going to be good, but I don't think a lot of other teams are going to change that much. Like, I think you look at the Cubs, I don't know how much better they're going to be than 74. Even some of the teams that I think take a step back, like the Dodgers, like sure. Okay. But they'll still win a hundred games probably or something close to it. Uh, the Padres aren't going to move much from 89 giants. Aren't going to move from 81. So I think there's going to be a lot of the same, uh, but I do think the Marlins gain a handful of wins because not only do they add Arias, they get 120 games of jazz. They add Gene Segura, who is probably one of their better hitters right away. They get a whole healthy Solaire. So it should be interesting. Um, on the American League side, it's really tough. I, I I was looking at a few different teams. It's funny, Jack. I think I'm going to take the opposite of what you said. Like, I actually think the Twins gain. Um, And I think the Twins actually put it together to a degree this year. Uh, yeah, they're trotting out a lot of threes. But it's more threes than they were trotting out last year. And, and I think that says a lot, right? And I've mentioned this in the past. Like, if you're not going to be elite, your rotation like if you're not gonna have a a a classic ace a two and then another two and then whatever have five threes and i think they're pretty close to that peter and i just talked about the best pitches joe ryan's fastball is one of the best pitches i think he's gonna make another leap next year and and continue to get better um and the lineup's good man like it's i think it's better than it was last year as these guys mature so i know you're like you said snake bitten i'd say it's a little bit of ptsd maybe from the twins but I think you're on the wrong side of it again this year. I think they're going to win 85, 86 games.
0: That's fine. I'll have the twins be my kryptonite. I have no problem
1: with that. So the way I looked at it, I looked at, um, I'm just going to choose one team that I think is the biggest riser and then one team that's the biggest follower. Cause you guys covered a lot of the teams that, you know, I, I would talk about, but just two teams that we haven't spoken about yet. I think the Rays are going to win much more than 86 games. We saw them win 86 games with half their team. Um, full season of Shane, full season of Glass now, full season again of Springs, Rasmussen in the rotation. They have a lockdown bullpen. They just extended feet, Pete Fairbanks, who is also my mortal enemy, but I can understand that he's a good pitcher. Uh, because he stares into my soul and he always crushes the Yankees. And is we have the same name. So I have been coining him kind of my mortal enemy over the past two seasons. But he's a dog. So is Jason Adam. And then in I think we're going to see a full season from Wander. You know, they have tons of prospects like Josh Lowe, one of Arm's favorite guys. Like they have Brandon a great well. system. And Brandon Lau. Yeah, another guy who's going to be back too. Brandon Lau, exactly. So I think the Rays are going to be very competitive this year. And I think they go from 86 to about 92, 93, Uh, maybe even more. I think they have the potential to be one of the best teams in baseball. Um, My biggest faller is the Cardinals. Um, And a lot of things for the Cardinals went right to win 93 games. Will Paul Goldschmidt be an MVP again? Will Nolan Arenado put up the same exact season again? Because those two guys finished first and third in MVP voting. Do they do it again? Of course, they have the potential to, but history would say that they both don't finish in the top three of MVP voting again. We have a... Yeah, go ahead, Jack.
0: No, I was just going to say, so you've got Goldschmidt and Arenado up here, but think about all the
1: young guys, like Carlson, O'Neill, like they had underwhelming years. Like
2: they Agreed. have
0: options.
1: Agreed. And that's why I was picking like some of the best teams to go over because you guys already mentioned the Dodgers. Um, We haven't really talked about the NL East much outside of the Marlins kind of gaining the, legs, but I don't see that NL East really changing much. And this is also to say, I still think the Cardinals are going to win the division. I just think their win total is going to be in the eighties, probably 88, 89, the projected 88 and a half wins. Uh, by the Vegas sportsbooks, I think they're probably going to be around there. I just don't believe in the pitching, um, especially long-term. Like, you know, it's hard to doubt Adam Wainwright, but I mean, he's 42 years old. Like Mike, Michaelis is a year older. I like Monty, but if he were to go down, like they don't have a stud to like rely on for tons of innings, I guess, outside of Michaelis, who is entering his age 35 season, the back end, the bullpen is not as electric as it once was. It's still really good but it's not that Cardinals bullpen that you normally come to expect where you have four guys who you rely on to get those last three outs. I see like two of those now. It's just, it's a good team, but 93 wins, I just see them falling below that this year. Okay, so I'm pushing this question up the order. This is
0: from R. Garrettson 24 on Instagram. How much of an impact would Jack Flaherty returning to peak form have on the St. Louis Cardinals? It's everything. Everything. If they have a frontline guy, it's over. I I do genuinely believe if Jack Flaherty is the Jack Flaherty that we saw flashes of in 2019, this guy can transform the season outlook on the St. Louis
1: Cardinals. Yeah, even in 2021, the dude had a 3-2 ERA. I know it's in a super limited sample because he's just been banged up. But to go back to 2019, it wasn't a flash; like it was a great season through almost 200 innings, struck at like 230 guys, had an ERA below three. He was a top prospect. I remember we played him in high school. He was playing shortstop. He was running like crazy, good athlete on the mound. The best athlete I've ever played against was Jack Flaherty. It's not saying much because like, I'm play- talking. I'm, I played high school baseball and I'm talking on a podcast. But he he is that level of athlete. So did you play did you play Giolito and Freed as well or just Flaherty? Because wasn't Flaherty a year younger than them? Yes, never played Giolito, never played Freed. Giolito's younger brother, who then gave up baseball when I was a senior, he was a freshman, struck me out on three pitches in back to back ABs. Well, that's because you weren't very good. (laughs) I was I freaking hit 370. Was all was all (laughs) I was all league, baby. Come on. (laughs) We want to go down
2: that route. I'm not going to be disrespected on the on, on this show. So I think that Jack Flaherty is like, a, a, at best, a low threes guy. Like, I I do think that that 2019 season, I always made it clear that I thought that that was a bit of an outlier. Uh, The underlying metrics would point towards that. And then, you know, kind of what we've seen since has been a banged up version of him. But the year before that, he was a low threes guy. And the flashes, like Peter said, in 2021, he was a low threes guy. But if he's a low threes guy, that's a game changer for them. Like they need a low threes guy really bad with his caliber of stuff. Like he, he can get a lot of swings and misses. He can, can be a really impactful starter at, as a number two, number three type. So I really, I really think that that would be a game changer. I just don't know if, if we can really expect that. I don't think anybody is, but it's possible. And and if Jack Flaherty is healthy, then a lot of our concerns go to the wayside about the St. Louis Cardinals because they just upgraded from within and he's still better than just about anybody else there. They would have been able to go out and get in the trade market if he's healthy. So I think for them, right, they're looking at the world series. That's what you have to look at. If you're the St. Louis Cardinals, especially with what they did in the regular season last year and what their team is, do I think they're going to win it? Eh, probably not because of the reasons that Peter mentioned, but a healthy Jack Flaherty makes me really think that there's a lot better chance of them winning the World Series and I could feel more confident about that. So it is everything to tie back to what Jack said initially.
0: Yeah. All right, next question. Um, and I, I think this is a question for Aram. This is from Gavin Vaughn7 on Twitter. Who's going to have the better brother prospect? So Juan Soto, Elian Soto, Vladi Jr., Pablo Guerrero, or Ronald Acuna Jr. in Luis Angel Acuna? Um, I'm also going to throw in Elijah Tatis, who is Fernando's brother. Um, the only one that I know literally anything about is Luis Angel Acuna. So I go with Luis Angel. Uh Correct. Aram, your thoughts?
2: Uh, Elian Soto just got signed. I've seen... Two videos of him swinging a bat, and it. I was about know, to he... say that Arbozzi two was videos. It <laughs> I don't know shit. <laughs> no, it really wasn't like it, oh. it, he looks really raw. I mean, maybe he'll be good in the next four Does years, and 16? he'll still be twenty. Yeah, wasn't yeah, wasn't
0: there another Acuna that you sold a card for like way more than it? Yes, yeah. For?
2: There's a Brian Acuna as well. I pulled one of his cards. I sold it so fast because people pay a lot of money for the brothers. I don't get that. I'll, I'll boil it down to this i don't know much about pablo guerrero he's still very 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 raw very unproven elian soto his swing looks really raw um and he's extremely young and there's so much variance there luis angelicuna is a really solid prospect a top 10 prospect in the Rangers system he's a great defender at shortstop the bat is it's coming along but it's it's pretty good um He's going to be a good big leaguer, I think. Like, I don't know if I can say that about any of the other guys. They're so far off. They're so raw. And I don't know if they're as toolsy as as Luis Angel is. So I I would say, without much hesitation, Luis Angel Acuna will be the better brother prospect. But who knows? Maybe by the time Elian Soto can, you know, turn 18 and be a legal adult, maybe he'll he'll look totally different. That's the craziest part. This guy's 16. Um, So, yeah, it's a little hard. Yeah, I, when I, say I, also, I
1: power rank, when I say I power rank myself third when talking about prospects here, there's a certain age limit. Sixteen is that age limit where I don't know shit, and a lot of these guys are. So I yeah, would, yeah. I'll follow your guys' lead and go with Luis Angel Cunha. Cunha. So Make when, sense. um,
0: when now twenty-one-year-old Elijah Tatis turns it around and stops hitting one seventeen with a three twenty-two OPS at the Arizona Complex, not um, ideal. I may think about it. I mean, dude, 20 years 30. old. That's incredible. Like yep, he's, he's 20. He's too old for that. Uh, <laughs> nice pit viper. Does he have these? Probably. probably. Yes. Probably. Um, all right. Next one from Brew Crew BB on Twitter. It's a raise question. <laughs> um, which big time rookies will have the biggest impact among top brewers prospects? Bryce Terang, Sal Freelich, Joey Weimer, Robert Gasser, and possibly even Jackson Chorio. I'll just say my piece real quick. Terang is going to get everyday reps. Like, he's the only guy that's going to get everyday reps. So my mind goes to Bryce Terang. Gasser may be thrusted in if a starter gets hurt. They are really, really thin there. Ashby is the six, but Ashby may be a reliever this year um Adrian Hauser could be considered the seven and like do you really want to start Hauser when Gasser is available um and then you've got Bryce Wilson who is objectively not better than Robert Gasser um (laughs) as of right now their five is Burns Woodruff Peralta great Eric Lauer good and then Wade Miley if one of those guys goes down the next option is probably Robert Gasser um but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Sal free, balls the hell out for team Ooh. Italy in the world baseball classic. And mm. Sal takes all the at-bats allocated
2: for Garrett Mitchell away from Garrett Mitchell. Mm. I like that. I, that's, that's something that I expect to happen, but even so I think Turing is going to be a little more impactful. I'm not saying long-term I just immediately speaking, um, I see Turang is with a little bit more of ability to just get the ball in the air and then go gap to gap. And uh, pull side power is a little sneakier than you, than some might think. I think he could hit 15 home runs in Milwaukee, uh, which is definitely going to really help his case because he doesn't strike out. He's an elite defender at shortstop and they are moving him to second. I again, I think the Nico Horner comp is is so clear to me with with what you have here with Bryce Turang. And if he does what Nico Horner did last year, which I think he can do about you know 10 home runs, a, a good amount of stolen bases, an elite defense, but this time at second base, could be a 3.5, four-win player if he gets enough run and we know terrain going to get run i think he's going to steal 20 bags i think he's going to hit 10 home runs i think he's going to hit for some average and i think he's going to play elite defense i think Tarang's a dark horse for rookie of the year in the national league because one he's going to get the opportunity Two, his floor is so high and three there's enough ceiling there where if he really clicks he could be an above average bat too so terrain for me is the no doubt option but there's a world where Freelick does exactly what what jack just said and don't sleep on joey weimer he could come up. That, that guy has the ability to get hot and hit 10 home runs in 20 games. Like he's that kind of dude. I'm thinking so 10 homers in 10 too. games.
1: Yeah. What? I'm thinking 10 homers in 10 games.
2: I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm going with Joey Weimer. Um, I fell in love with him when, uh, he was on the call up with Arm. Love that interview. Um, I don't know the other guys as as personally. They weren't on the call-up. Actually, Sal Frilich was. Frilich was. Uh, but for, like a,
2: for like eight yeah. minutes, wasn't the yeah. same. I, but yeah.
1: I've listened to Joey Weimer more. He's more exciting to me. I'm going with Joey Weimer. Yeah, uh, and Weimer loves Family Guy and
0: Minecraft. Yeah, he's awesome. That's <laughs> a great interview. There we go. All right. Um, who wins more games this year? An all-star team consisting of players from the eight worst teams in so- baseball last year, or the Astros? Uh, this is from Nats eventually on Twitter. So <laughs> what I did, I took five minutes and I compiled an all-star roster consisting of the Nats, the A's, the Reds, the Pirates, the Royals, the Tigers, the Rangers, and the Rockies. So tell me if this team that I just constructed beats the Houston Astros in a seven-game series. Tyler Stevenson and Shea Langeleers as the catchers. Really nice. Vinny Pascantino is the first baseman. Marcus Semyon at second. Mm. Brian Hayes at third. Corey Seager at short. The outfield of Chris Bryant, Brian Reynolds, and Joey Manessis. O'Neal Cruz is the DH. And the starting uh, rotation is DeGrom, Yavaldi, Singer, Martin Perez, Nick Ladola I'm going
1: with the Astros. I'm going with the Astros. <laughs> yeah, I think they still well, beat that team. But is that you're the You're going is that the best rotation we can think of? Yeah, I mean, you try good. and, try yeah, and pluck Green. better starters. Also, you try
0: and pluck a better third outfielder here. I was thinking Manessis or Andrew McCutcheon. Ramon Laureano? I would rather have Manessis than Ramon Laureano. There's
2: no shot you'd rather have Andrew McCutcheon than Ramon Laureano.
0: Okay, so I'd rather have Manessis than Ramon Laureano. Laureano. kind of sucks. I agree, I agree. But
2: he, <laughs> he's been hurt. I Name me another outfielder, name me another starting pitcher, and then we'll talk. Like, this team's not that good. It's also, yeah. so good. Yeah. the best we can do is Cabrian Hayes. I like Cabrian Hayes. Can't we put Bobby Witt at third? We could. You want to put, yeah, at third? we're putting Bobby Witt at third. Could we put Spencer Steer and Wright? No, <laughs> just cause? I think theoretically we could put Spencer Steer at anywhere. He is a chameleon. Okay, so let's put Steer and Wright. Does that change anything? No, fuck it no. does. It
1: yeah. does. But- <laughs> I like think it's the Astros. No, with the steer edition, I'm gonna go with that team. No, I the Astros still win that. That's how good they are. Like, they are just a juggernaut. It's how doesn't bad matter. The if shitty for teams are, yeah, I
2: was gonna say, no, like, but this yes, is a good Peter, team. This is a good yeah, team.
1: Like, I think they beat okay. every other team
2: except the Astros. Uh, Peter, it's a good team. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But we just combined eight teams, bro. Eight. We just <laughs> not, <laughs> not four, like, we combined eight
0: teams, and they can't beat the best one. <laughs> If yeah. that doesn't
2: tell you that baseball has a little bit of a parity problem at times, um, especially with the rebuilding teams, like man, I, I don't know what will. That said, oh, Adoles- it also is a testament Garcia. to how good Garcia. could be the other. But, ooh, Adolis, yeah, Adolis has got to be in right. Oh yeah. yeah, good call. I forgot about Adolis Garcia. But even then, like yeah. I'm still taking it, and that that is a testament to the Astros, though. Too, I mean, they are so good at every position that, and, and so deep, it's r- ridiculous. For just for argument's sake, who's the manager of of our uh, poo poo platter of eight teams here?
1: Give me Bruce Bochy. Still, I know he hasn't. Uh, he has <laughs> yeah, managed was on the Giants, and now he's going to be the new Rangers manager. But I mean, world is it champion. Hinch? How about A.J. Hinch okay. revenge game against the Astros? I don't mind oh. that either. Give me that. That's a good one. That's a good one. I'll take that. Okay. Oh,
0: and Bill Schmidt is the GM, right? Sure. Schmidt ball. Yeah, we're just going <laughs> <Bill
2: yeah. Schmidt. laughs>
0: to. All right, um, next one. What are the moves this offseason that you think flew most under the radar but will make a big impact? At Larnick Enjoyer on Twitter. I'm <laughs> Crazy sorry. That, ads. I'm sorry that you, you choose to enjoy Trevor Larnick. There are a lot more guys that you can enjoy a bit more. Um, There are three that jump to my mind, I guess three and a half, like four, two on the same team. Um, And Arm and I were talking about this before we hit the record button is Tyler Anderson, like uh, an under the radar move. Cause I think yeah. the tandem of Tyler Anderson and Brandon Drury was massive for the mm-hmm. angels. The other two that jumped to my mind were were Josh Bell to Cleveland because Bell offers them a look that only Oscar Gonzalez was giving them, and that's Masher. Like, obviously, Jose Ramirez can mash, but he does so much more than that. They needed a middle-of-the-order guy, and they got Josh Bell. And the other one is Jose Quintana to the Mets. I love Quintana as the four here. So much of the conversation is going to be around Verlander, Scherzer, Senga as the front three. When you get to a postseason series, you need a four. And Quintana is one of the
1: better fours in baseball at this point. No, I agree with you. Um, I chose one from each league. Um, My first one in the National League. Rush Tripling is so underrated for some reason. Like he's not, he doesn't have great stuff, but he started fooling around with his pitch mix and it seems to have. Bode really well for the guy. He started throwing his change up a lot more. It was a pitch that he only threw about 15% of the time in 2021. Up that to almost 30%, made it his second most thrown pitch. And the changeup was nasty. He started throwing his fastball a lot less, worked well with his other pitches. Like the guy had a three ERA, not like a three-seven, like a three point zero one. And that just flew really under the radar for the San Francisco Giants. I feel like you know, Manoa and Gosman get all the shine and then Brios was so bad, so you just forgot, well, who's making the number three start? That was Stripling, and that was a big reason why the Blue Jays rotation ended up being pretty solid, and we saw Stripling in the playoffs too. Stripling, I think, was a great addition for the Giants, but then him going from the Blue Jays, I thought the Blue Jays made a great deal with Brandon Belt. I mean, yeah. eight million for one year? Yeah, that was Dude my... rakes! Like, yeah. if he plays, he rakes! And even if he doesn't play, like, he is such a probably such a good mind for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to bounce ideas off of World Series champion been there it's a young Blue Jays team like getting him in your locker room even if he doesn't play a single game I think he'll be impactful but when he's going to be on the field I still think he's got some juice left in the tank so I'm going with stripling going from the Blue Jays to the Giants but then the Blue Jays getting Brandon Belt loved both of those
2: moves I, I love the belt pick that would have been I would have been in the same boat there I mean again it's low risk high reward and even if he's not on the field like you still could get some maybe not worth eight million is that's an expensive mentor but he does bring a lot to the table uh, on top of that and when he's been on the field like you said like the, it, it it wasn't just that he's been good he was playing some of his best baseball in the last three years career highs in a lot of power categories like I still think that's there and some of the injuries that you know they, they were like broken thumb this and that yeah, like I think he he finally time. got that knee repaired he's trying to play through it like yeah. I do think that there's a chance that he could be come back and we're like man why were more teams not on that guy I have a weird one and you guys can tell me if this is like if this counts or not I think it should because it's part of a trade that is not under the radar but in in a nutshell it's under the radar I think the Brewers adding William Contreras in the Sean Murphy deal yeah. could be a game changer we complained about the Brewers' lack of pop all the time, right, and, and rightfully so, right? Team with such good pitching. Uh, we've talked about the bullpen maybe not quite being what it, what it what it was in the past, and it's a little bit of a question mark, but. Great pitching overall, They're uh, team in tr- a band box, yeah, they're playing in a band box and they have no power. Rowdy Telez was their big power acquisition, right? William Contreras has the ability to not only be their clear cut cleanup guy, like he will be their run producer and he will lead them in every power category if he performs to the way we think we can, he can, and he could be a 30 plus home run dude for them. He almost was last year in limited action. Like that one, I think a lot of people forget about, like this might be the best power bat and all they gave up was Asturias Ruiz and, and, and a couple other little pieces there. Like, great deal for them and a great pickup. Brandon Belt was my number one on the on the American League side. Uh, but I also think Andrew Heaney, I know we've talked about it in the past. I just love the upside play here. Because, again, yeah. this is another guy that even if he doesn't give you more than 120 innings, it's going to be 120 good innings. I feel really good about that. And, and I don't know if they use him as a sixth starter or if he is going to get a little bit more run. But when, that's kind of similar to Belt. Like he has found something over the last couple of years other than that little stint with the Yankees. And um, it's really just a, been a matter of consistently staying on the field, but he's been pitching as well as ever over the last couple of seasons when he's on the field, especially in the swing and miss department.
0: Last thing, certainly not under the radar, but I think in two years, we're going to be revisiting the VAR show for Guriel and Gabby Moreno trade in the same way that the NBA people revisit Halliburton and Heald for DeMontis Sabonis. Like I think this is yeah. going to be the most mutually beneficial trade you could possibly concoct because it, it, like building off of belt Toronto needed to get more left-handed. They got more left-handed, not only with belt, but with Dalton freaking Varsho. And then you got one of the better prospects in the game. Halliburton is Gabby Moreno. And you got a guy that fulfills a role to the nth degree healed Lourdes Guriel. Gurriel. So yep. there we go, man. Um, all right. Two more. Would you rather have Toronto's catching tandem right now? So Alejandro Kirk and Danny Jansen or Pittsburgh's in three years. That is a developed Andy Rodriguez and Henry Davis. This comes from at Riley underscore McIlwain two on Instagram. I'll let you guys get farther into the weeds here. This is very simple for me. Pittsburgh in three years
1: because the backup plan is a number one overall pick. I guess I, I was going the complete opposite way. And I almost thought this question was pretty easy. You hope N.D. and and Henry Davis become those two. Danny Jansen, I think if he got a full-time role, would be a top 15 catcher in this league. And Alejandro Kirk is one of the best catchers in baseball. That's why I felt that the Blue Jays were okay with dealing Gabby Moreno in that deal because they know they have a tandem, the best tandem of catchers in Major League Baseball just with Alejandro Kirk and Danny Jansen. Like, Henry Davis is a guy who I know you guys are in the weeds with the prospects arm. Like Henry Davis is a guy who might be dropping on some lists and Andy Rodriguez with how good he is. He had that one good year and he probably could do it again. I'm not saying that he couldn't be a potential great catcher in this league, but I think with these prospects, Andy Rodriguez, like if he became Alejandro Kirk, oh, yeah, you're that's him. amazing. Like that's, yeah. that's exactly what you would want. And you already have Alejandro Kirk there with the best backup. So I'm going with Danny Jansen and Alejandro
2: Kirk right now for sure. So if everything worked out for the Pirates, that could be one of the best catching tandems ever like of all time, right? Because it, Andy Rodriguez is is a 70-hit tool guy and and I'm not willing like yes, Henry Davis is falling um to a little bit because of injuries and stuff. But I mean, he's got a 70 yard arm. He's got plus power and he can, he's got an above average field to hit. So those, it would be two guys that you have to have in the lineup at all times. It would be, if it to the 100th percentile outcome is even more exciting than the Blue Jays tandem. But guess what? Too many guys don't pan out. And I am not willing to roll the dice on that one. Um, I think that you have a high floor with the Pirates because I think one of those two guys are going to pan out. But I don't know if I'd be willing to bet on both of them being better than Danny Jansen, right? Like it's not only that they both have to be, you know, really good. And and you're hoping one of them is as good as Alejandro Kirk, which is also tough. Both of them would have to be better than Danny Jansen too, which is also really tough with how hard it is to project catchers and how volatile the position is. So while I could understand the pirates pick, if you're feeling a little risky, which I'm shocked out of you, Jack, you rarely, you rarely roll the dice. Um, I also think Kirk might keep getting better. And that's I the agree. thing, too, is Kirk and Jansen are still young. So I, I, I'm going to roll with walking. the Blue Jays tandem. Kirk is a beast. He is He's a top five-ish catcher
1: in the game. He's amazing.
0: Okay, yeah, but I also just fully believe that Andy Rodriguez is a beast. And, like, there's a chance. I think Andy fits this modern catcher mold that we're trying to drive more towards, right? Like, Adley Rutschman and JT Realmuto are cut from similar cloths. Where yes, they have power, but their feel to hit really good athletes that happen to catch. I think that's Andy Rodriguez. Like I think Andy, there's a chance. Obviously, our, I'm talking about a hundredth percentile outcome. If we're talking a hundredth percentile outcome, you've got two top five catchers in the game on the same team in the number yeah. one overall pick and Andy
1: Rodriguez.
2: Yeah, I
0: can't pass that up. You
1: don't happen to call I, Indianapolis Indians games, do you? So
0: <laughs> I I watched Andy for two weeks at the end. I was obviously keeping tabs on him the entire year. Um, if I do get to watch Andy for like two and a half months, like I did get to watch O'Neal Cruz for two and a half months, I'm going to be thanking my lucky stars. I will never forget the two and a half months that I got to watch O'Neill Cruz because while there was some bad, what he did on the great end of that spectrum was something that the baseball world came to see at the end of this summer. I will never forget getting in on the ground floor on that. Andy he doesn't do anything bad. Like that's
1: yeah, it's the an, it's thing incredible. about him. Yeah. I,
2: I will say, looking at Kirk's numbers last year, right? 285, 372, 415 slash line. Like I could see Andy Rodriguez being better than that. I could. But again, I, I'm I'm not willing to risk it. I'll take I'll take the bird in hand. Uh and but you could Jack also
1: see Kirk be better than, than he was last year. That's again, the if, thing he could, too. if he ups that slug to four fifty. He's still near that 380 OBP and he's hitting close to 300 while playing solid defense. Like the only problem with Kirk is the arm. Okay. Um, it's still fine. Okay. But can Kirk
0: play a good second base while your other top five catcher in the game catches? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: I mean, Danny Jansen could probably play first, <laughs> Kirk, could probably, but yeah, I know what you're saying. And is, ND is the most upside of any of the guys we named. It's just like, I already have a top five catcher and probably a top, Fifteen catcher, it, it, I just have is, them, and they're both. It's not like they're both thirty-four. yeah Kirk's like twenty-five. I just, yeah. <laughs> I have to go with the with the pa- tandem
2: that has already panned out. Last thing I'll say is like, there's a scenario where in three years Jack could be windmill dunking on us and saying, you know, yeah. I told you this is way sicker than what you got. But for the next three years, I'm going to be sleeping soundly with Alejandro Kirk and Danny Jansen. And when that time comes, all right, it's okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the L, but. I, I like the sound nights of sleep with two top 15, maybe top 10 catchers yeah. uh, with Danny Jansen and, and of, uh, you know, Alejandro Kirk.
0: I get it. Speaking of windmill dunking last one is Shohei Otani the first alien to make their way to earth at aunt fuzz on Twitter. I say, no, he is the, I guess second, but there are three Bo Jackson, John ja Morant, and Shohei Otani.
2: I'm glad you mentioned Bo. Cause I was going to plug this in at the end that's the other do-over I would love to see. Um, And again, like I get so much of my information on eighties and seventies, eighties, nineties baseball from, from Jeff Conan, which I'm so fortunate to have that podcast with him and ask him about this stuff. Bo Jackson's when he he came up with the Royals with him, the stories he tells me, he said, if that guy just played baseball, because I asked him like, was he just a football player playing baseball and just like pure athleticism? Or was he like that, that good? And he goes, dude, if he played that full-time, played baseball full-time, I think he would have been in the Hall of Fame there, too. Uh, and then obviously didn't have the the hip issues that he had. So, uh, yeah, Bo's – I think Bo is equally as insane of an athlete as Otani uh, because he had the arm, too. Um, the speed is is almost unparalleled in human history <laughs> other than, like, you know, people who train to run. But in terms of, like, football, basketball, baseball, I don't know if we've seen really anyone much faster than Bo. And then you could hit the ball 480 feet. You know, so I I think he's right there with Otani in terms of of alien department. Um, just Otani was perfectly curated for baseball as yeah. an alien, which is it's like an alien from planet baseball, which is the craziest part. Right. No one in my mind compares to Shohei Otani in
1: terms of an alien, uh, because he's he's like an alien from like beyond the Milky Way galaxy, somewhere far, like in Star Wars time. Where he comes and it's like, you know, he hits and pitches and is the fastest. I will never get over the speed. Arm and I were talking about this. And I was saying that I'd meet ride him to the moon. Like everyone's saying I'm a shohei meat rider in the comments. Check. You and Ben I, Verland. I'm unabashed. I'm unabashed. But yeah, you and Ben Verland are very similar guys. Yeah, we're boys. Um, but I think the one other alien isn't in professional baseball. I think Ellie De La Cruz is a freaking alien
2: he, he is alien territory he, dude he's got 80
1: power and 80 speed but then you gotta he say
0: O'Neill is alien territory but as
1: well. he's like better than O'Neill cruz like he hits the ball just as far switch hitter i think he's faster like Might he be. is a freakazoid and it's not like you're putting ellie Dale Cruz in some corner and all he does is rake he's short uh, also, he is a freakazoid that's the alien in professional baseball
0: Also, 89 points away. I do have to say LeBron James is an alien. Um, Yeah, that's pretty good. LeBron, how about this email that I just got from my apartment complex? I live half a block south of Gainbridge Fieldhouse, which is the home of the Indiana Pacers. LeBron's 89 away from passing Kareem. I just got this email. Residents. As a courtesy, we wanted to let everyone know there is an event tonight at Gainbridge Fieldhouse that will bring a high volume of traffic to our area. Please anticipate the garages being at a higher occupancy this evening and keep this in mind if you plan to drive your vehicle off the property. It's because LeBron James in Alien
1: is in town chasing Kareem. He could drop 90. (laughs) I have one more question to end the podcast. Armladen, in all of your years of prospect research, has there ever been a prospect with more upside, like just a hundredth percentile ceiling, than Ellie Daly Cruz?
2: No. no. That's no, what no. we're talking no about shot.
1: here. Yeah. Just no shot. full upside. Not saying that he is going to work out. Not saying that at all. Just saying if you take all the best tools of a prospect and for all of them to work. I've never seen a guy that young. And like I said, I'd power rank myself three. So I want to confirm that, but I've never seen a talent like that. I've never seen it.
2: No, no. And I, I go back and read old like Baseball America handbooks to see like where where we went wrong as evaluators in the past. And like, where, you know, who are some players that didn't pan out? Why did they think he was going to be good? Where, where to go wrong? So so I can apply that to, to now and, you know, see how we can learn from the mistakes of the past. And um, no, I've never seen any any write ups, anything close to to anything like Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, but I still think Bo Jackson might be number one alien. Um, I think you could have tur- taught that guy how to do anything. You could have actually put him in any setting and he would have been good at legitimately anything. And then, what about um, guy who got drafted in every sport, Padre? Um, he's been drafted in NBA, NFL, MLB. Russell it wasn't, Gwyn. <laughs> no, <it> wasn't Gwen, no, wasn't Gwen. Damn it, talk about something else. I'll find this. Uh, I'm Jack, going to Dave Winfield, Dave Winfield. Oh, Dave
1: Winfield. Okay, yeah, yeah, got you, Jack. Can I pose that question to you to end the pod? Yes. Have you ever seen a player in the minor leagues with more upside than Ellie De Cruz? No. Or the Reds. No. no. There you go, people. Two prospect guys, best ones I know. Never. That's I'm nowhere. I'm nowhere league.
0: close to the best ones you know, but RM is very close to the best ones you know. I think. Um, I'm going to see Clippers Bucks tonight. My girlfriend's first time getting the Giannis experience live. Girlfriend flex. Oh, yeah. Girlfriend flex. Giannis flex, Giannis flex. Kawhi Sad. Leonard flex. Those are some sick flexes.
2: Oh, Kawhi's playing. Kawhi,
0: PG, Giannis, they're all playing. Last wow. year, when we went to Clippers Bucks, we saw no Giannis, no Middleton, no Kawhi, no PG. Robert Covington had
1: 43 on
0: 11 threes.
1: Yeah, that blows. I don't even want to see that. It sucked. Another sick flex. Wearing your Just Baseball merch around your boys. And your oh, that is sick a sick merch. It's in the episode description. Best way to support this podcast is to get yourself some Just Baseball merch. We have hats. We have athletic tees. We have sweatshirts. We have t-shirts. Another great way to support this podcast, just show us love by either subscribing on YouTube, wherever, if you're watching the podcast, or wherever you listen to your podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the whole nine. If you could rate us five stars, leave a review about some things that you're liking about it, or if you have any critiques hopefully you just give a critique and rate us five stars that would be very helpful and we'll do we'll talk about anything that we might have missed um tons of new content of course coming on justbaseball.com world baseball classic top 100s top 10s fantasy baseball college baseball it's all happening on justbaseball.com and the just baseball show go check out show and go with jack and taylor davis they just had a great episode i listened to the to the um the trials and tribulations of a minor leaguer. Loved it. Kind of the lifestyle that comes with it. Arm and Jack that are doing prospect stuff all the time on the call up. And if you're interested in Super Bowl picks, Colby and i will be live next week for the Super Bowl. And then of course we have tons of baseball gambling, not gambling to get to. But in the meantime, make sure to download Prize Picks in the episode description. Use code Just Baseball. You get a full 100 deposit match whatever you deposit so 50 you get 50 100 you get 100 and with that thank you